Coming up next on The Jeff Crilly Show, we're going to be talking about leadership and the power of trust with a best-selling author, his journey just ahead. Many are predicting that the worst is yet to come, which is unfortunate, said one person here. Until now, they've enjoyed the reputation of being the nation's icebox. Watched a burglar in his home this morning by webcam. As a journalist of over 25 years, stories are what make my world turn. Reporting live from the Dallas Newsroom tonight, Jeff Crilly, Fox 4 News. But in 2008, I took the jump from my familiar life and started a PR firm from my home. We're talking about anyone with a camcorder like the one I'm using becomes a television network. We started slowly growing the company and we now have over a hundred clients and we've branched into the world of live digital broadcasting. I now own eight different TV studios and have a huge team. And the stories that I now get to share are sometimes the most important of my life. Life has a funny way of coming around full circle. This is the Jeff Crilly Show. Well, I think you would agree with me that there is a crisis of trust in this country. Uh, we don't believe in our government institutions. We don't believe in corporate America because so many times corporations have lied to their consumers. We do have a, a crisis of trust right now. And I'm in studio right now with Dr. Mike Armour. He is a C-suite leadership coach, a best-selling author, and a keynote speaker. Thanks for coming on the show. My joy. I've yeah. been looking forward to this ever since we put it on the calendar. <laughs> well, I just want to call attention. His voice is so much better than my voice. <laughs> I, in TV news, we called it the voice of God, and he has it. <laughs> so if we ever need to get any voiceover work done, you're, you're hired. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, let's, let's talk a little bit more about uh, the, the power of trust and leadership. Um, what do you mean by that? One of the things that is often overlooked is that trust is not just one of those nice things to have on top of everything else that characterizes our society or our cultures. Trust was probably the initial social virtue that was developed by the human community, going back to our most primitive era because those little villages of 100, 150 people usually depended on hunting parties who would go out and kill game, bring it back. Those hunting expeditions would typically take two or three days, maybe weeks. In order for those hunters to do their game, uh, do their job uh, as game hunters, they had to trust that the people back in the village would take care of their families, uh, their possessions, they would keep their family in a, at the forefront of well-being uh, during the time that they were away. So the fundamental glue that we developed as a human society is trust. And as societies became more complex, particularly as they became more de democratic, trust became an essential glue because under tyrannies and autocracy, you can keep people held together with fear and intimidation. The more you have a free society, the more you've got to have trust and strong supply, or the thing begins to literally become unglued. We're going to pull up his website, and as we scroll down his speaker website, I want to call attention to the fact that he's a very popular speaker, and, and I think your, your topic of speaking about trust is uh, really uh, central right now to leading any organization, leading any company. Mm -hmm. You've got to have trust. And so when you look at corporate America right now, which companies um, do you admire in terms of their transparency, their ability to lead a team? 
Uh, do you look up to, you know, the, the common ones we think about are the big boys, the, the Facebooks mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the Teslas? I mean, are there any companies that you admire? Where I think you find the trust the strongest for a variety of reasons are organizations that have been built around a servant leadership model. Because the whole idea of servant leadership is that leaders are there to empower, to support, to encourage, to motivate their people. Now, all leaders are looked to for motivation. But in most instances, it's what I would call a top-down motivation. I want to motivate you to support me in what I'm doing. But organizations like Southwest Airlines that have been built from the ground up around a servant model of leadership, stand that on its head and say, my job as CEO is to empower the people who report to me. Their job is to empower the people who report to them. And empowerment includes not just giving them the freedom to act, but providing the resources, the encouragement, the training, the team around them that they need in order to succeed. And being terribly transparent, a bluebell comes to mind because, yes. as, you, as you remember, uh, you know, such an iconic, beloved brand. Mm-hmm. But they had a crisis for about a year there with Salmonella. Exactly. But they hit it head on. They they closed down the plant. They right. took the the uh, ice cream off the shelves. Do you want to talk about why that kind of action is critical to the success of Bluebell? One of the things that is a byproduct of the distrust that's everywhere in our society is that people suspect everything they hear from corporate America to be some kind of spin. And they expect that from their political leadership. And therefore, when an organization is genuinely transparent, people then say, if they will be honest about this, they are probably honest about other things. And honesty of the other party is one of the primary things that's going to determine how much I trust them. Let me tell you an experience from my own background. At 37, I became the president of uh, one of the youngest college presidents in the United States. Took over a college that was theoretically in bankruptcy, had never been in court Uh, because none of their creditors wanted to see them closed down. But we had not made a complete payroll in six months. Uh, Partial payrolls, late payrolls, student body had dropped by about a third as over two years parents lost confidence in the survival of the school. So how am I going to hold the team together to turn this organization around? And I decided that one of the keys was that I had to build a bond of trust in me as their leader and in one another as participants in the campus community that would be the glue that would allow us in turn and uh, in, in time to triumph over our, our challenges and we did but one of the first things i did was to start calling the faculty administration and their spouses together one night a month and opening up the books and just being honest with them about what was coming in what had to go out and what that meant in terms of the predictability of their own salary. So when I announced that I intended to do that, my executive team said, that is dumb. Morale will go in the tank as if morale could get any lower. (laughs) But I persisted. And sure enough, when I did it the first time, morale dropped because people said they never told us anything before. And it was bad. If this is what they're telling us, 
How bad is it, really? I had to persist in that for two or three months so that they came to see that what I told them was reality. And at that point, then the morale began to rebuild because there was now trust in a leadership that was being honest with them. That's what happened with Bluebell. A public said, they are so honest about this, we can trust them overall to do the right thing, and I can trust their products when they say they are quality to be quality. Wow. Let's talk about your best-selling book. We're going to put the cover on the screen so you can talk about leadership and the power of trust. And one of the points you make is that there's a big difference between leadership and management. Mm -hmm. And it's there even in our language. Even, even though we have mixed the terms so much that the words leadership and management are in many circles used as though they are synonyms, Nonetheless, we speak of managing people and leading people, but we also speak of managing budgets, managing inventories. We would never speak of leading a budget or leading an inventory. Leadership is uniquely people-centric in a way that management may or may not be. I coach a number of people who are managers who have virtually no direct reports. They are managing a function that interfaces with a public, either vendors or customers, and they are responsible for seeing that the processes under that function run well so that those relationships are good. But there's not a strong people component insofar as motivating and mobilizing volunteers is concerned, or, or, or workers is concerned, or in the nonprofit world, your volunteers. I define leadership as the art of rallying people around a shared purpose, then motivating them and mobilizing them to achieve it. Whereas management is the process of assuring the sustained uh, uh, success of an enterprise by optimizing the way in which resources are acquired, allocated, and utilized. So management is much more process-centric. Leadership is always people-centric. I want to talk about your speaking career. How long have you been speaking and what are your favorite audiences to speak to? And we're <laughs> going to show some video of uh, Dr. Armour on stage. How long have you been speaking now? Well, I uh, spoke to my first audience of over 100 people when I was 16. Uh, I was a competitive uh, speaker in uh, high school and college, winning state debate championships and state extemporaneous speaking uh, championships. Uh, I've always been a very strong person of faith. And um, at 18, churches, small rural churches, desperate for someone to speak on Sundays, uh, began to invite me to come in and, and speak for their Sunday morning services. And that then paved the way that eventually I spent quite a bit of time in uh, uh, ministerial roles and in church leadership roles. That then moved me into the nonprofit world and nonprofit leadership uh, in those spaces that were really aligned with churches and, and various uh, church-related efforts. Uh, and by then, uh, in my 20s, companies were asking me to come in and do trainings for them on some aspect of things that I was specializing in then. So literally it has been a lifetime of being before an audience. And I've spoken to audiences of tens of thousands of people 
uh, on a number of occasions uh, in all kinds of settings on four continents. Wow, very impressed. You also are the host of a very popular podcast, and we're going to put this up on the screen, Upside Your Leadership. Tell us about the podcast. When did you start it, and, and what do you focus on? I started it five years ago on the C-Suite Network, and I chose the, t the title Upsize Your Leadership because from what I shared, shared just a moment ago, it's apparent that I've had leadership roles in a lot of different arenas, uh, international in some cases, uh, national in some cases. I'm a retired Navy captain, and much of my time, and particularly the reserve portion of my career, a career that extended over 35 years, uh, I was managing national efforts uh, for uh, the naval intelligence community. And one of the things that was characteristic of what I was doing in the nonprofit world, in the church world, in the Navy world, in the collegiate world, is most of the assignments I was given were assignments designed to turn organizations that were troubled around or to get them back on course. And so I've had this heart for helping people wherever they lead to have the skills to step in and make the vital inter, uh, interventions that will bring more health to their culture and more strength to their organization. So when I started the podcast, I didn't want to zero in on leadership in one specific area, but the principles of leadership as they apply wherever you find yourself leading. And so, Upsize Your Leadership is built around the idea that leadership is such a complex enterprise that we spend our life studying it and we're still learning more of its nuances. And so wherever we are on that leadership development journey, there is the opportunity to upsize what we're doing. And I think I picked that up when I was buying some fast food and I was searching for a title for the, <laughs> for the podcast and the person behind the cashier, uh, cash register said, would you like to upsize that? And I thought, that's the word, <laughs> upsize your leadership. So <laughs> I love that. thanks to someone at a Jack in a Box or a McDonald's someplace for giving me a title for my podcast. <laughs> I love that. Okay, in the little time we have left, Dr. Armour, I want you to share with us, uh, how does an organization know when to bring you in to speak at their conference or coach? Well, uh, I've really spent my uh, last 25 years developing uh, the clientele around my company, Strategic Leadership Development International here in Dallas. And over that period of time, we've served everything from Fortune 100 companies to mom and pop startups. So the size of the organization is really not critical. And I've already shared that I've got all of this background in nonprofits and in the for-profit sector. So I'm willing to work across those lines and comfortably do so uh, as well. But I think the key is, do people have a passion for upgrading the quality of the leadership in their organization? My purpose in life, as I finally was able to articulate it, is to help people succeed by empowering them with clarity and insight. And clarity comes first. Until we've got clarity, we're not going to draw the right insights from what we know. That's one of the reasons that I emphasize being clear on the difference between leadership and management. 
and knowing when to put on the leadership sombrero and when to put on the management sombrero. Uh, that kind of empowering people to think things through more clearly. And if that relates to leadership, if it relates to building a healthier culture, if it relates to building an atmosphere that is more receptive to change, one of my most popular keynotes right now is called uh, uh, Speed Agility Innovation. Uh, or agility speed innovation, I should say. I got the words out of sequence here. And it's built around the, the little nursery rhyme, Jack and the candlestick. Jack be nimble, Jack be quick, Jack jump over the candlestick. And I use that as a metaphor for saying, in today's business world, we've got to be like Jack, agile, nimble, speedy, quick, and we've got to continually innovate to stay ahead of the competition because otherwise we will be left in the dust. And so anyone who's looking to address those kinds of challenges or even the basic character issues of what it takes to be a really noble leader, those are the people that I'd like to talk to about how I can make their event more effective and more impactful. Wow. Thank you so much for uh, giving us your wisdom and your heart. And we're going to end with website, which is michaelarmor.com. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My joy. Thank you. That's it for now. We'll see you next time.